I overheard in recent weeks a conversation from teachers, and it went something like this. You know, she's a great substitute teacher, got a great personality, but she's so deficient on technology skills that it's hard to use her in the classroom. I hope that's not you, but if if you've ever said, I am not techno-savvy, it's time to get over it. Let's talk about some minimum things that will get you over that hump. All right, guys, Greg Collins, Substitute Teacher's Lounge. I'll have to let you in on a little secret. I recorded this early today for you guys. Is October 9th, 2022. I recorded it several days ago because I am in Hawaii today with our best friends. It is fall break in our area, and we went to Hawaii. It is the Alani Resort that Disney owns down there. I have some vacation points that I use for that, so it felt like I didn't have to spend any more out-of-pocket money. So I'm actually looking for some educational opportunities down here. Last time I did an educational podcast after vacation, probably one of the lowest-rated ones ever because I was trying to make a point of looking for things to teach as you're on vacation. Nobody really paid attention to it, so I probably won't do that. But we'll see how that goes. Today, I will tell you that this, as often is the case, this episode, I wasn't even planning a few weeks ago. And then I hear things. I hear things from teachers. I hear things from students. And I'm thinking that will be a great episode. So that's what happened this week. Just as in the opening, I was, I mean, they weren't trying to hide it. They knew I was standing there or wasn't eavesdropping, but it was obvious that they would have loved a particular substitute teacher more if they didn't have to spend so much extra time with her because she wasn't techno-savvy. Now, I'm not saying it's not wrong to not understand technology now, but to refuse to ever understand it, that is a problem. I, my, my parents have passed away now, but for the last 20 years before they passed away, they refused to use any type of technology. They did not want me to buy them a computer. They did have a cell phone pretty much out of necessity, but it confused them all the time. They didn't want to learn it, but you know what? They didn't have to. They weren't really doing anything. My father had been retired for 30 years. My mother was only a part-time worker when she did work. And until their mid to late 80s, when they passed away, they didn't need technology. Guess what? Substitute teachers need technology. They need to understand what's going on in that classroom. I'm going to start basic today. I'm just going to hit the highlights because you've got one of two choices. I'll tell you how I am. I love technology. I embrace technology. I want to be the substitute teacher that discreetly shows teachers how to get better with technology. I want to know it that well. That's me. That's not where we're going with this episode. This episode, we just want to learn the basics. 
We don't want to be a liability when we go into that classroom. We're great with kids. We're great with teachers. But if somebody has to show us how to run everything, how to respond to the technology in the classroom, then that's a reason. I'll say it this way. It's not a reason for them never to call you back. But let's face it. If they've got a choice between two subs and they know one is great with technology, let's say it this way, two great subs and one is great with technology and one is not, you know, they're probably going to lean towards the technology person. So that's what today is about. Is about. Everything that I talk about today, it's so great because you can find videos on YouTube. Now, if if you don't even want to look to YouTube, I'm sorry. I'm not sure there's anything I can do for you today. If you don't want to just go, I mean, if you don't have internet access at your house, there's plenty of places around where you can go libraries. You're going to have to put forth some effort to get to the internet. But when you do, youtube.com, you go to the top. The first thing I'm going to talk about, some of the substitute teachers are going to laugh as soon as I say the words, but there's some of you out here that don't get familiar with this. So, Go to you go to YouTube and type in classroom projector. Now, it's gonna be pretty bad if you can't go into the classroom and project something onto the screen that those students are supposed to see. If you have to call for help, they'll politely help you, but you pull them away from something else they should really be doing. So go to YouTube, figure it out. To be honest, on this, there's probably plenty of students in every classroom that knows how to get the projector on. Now, to be honest, you're going to have to, in most of the classrooms I go to, they don't leave the teacher's credentials there to log in, but they do have a login for substitute teachers. Sometimes a teacher will come in and log in. If they're not sick, if they're just like out of town, they'll drop in, grab some things, and log themselves in so that it would be ready when you come in because the things they want to go to might be limited only to them. But in the case of YouTube, if there's things that they need to project on the screen, it's pretty basic. I mean, you usually have a projector hanging from the ceiling. You've got a screen somewhere. Some are more sophisticated than that. Some have those smart, smart, I don't know if they call them smart boards or smart whiteboards or whatever, but it's really kind of cool the way they work. But YouTube, all of that, YouTube ways to turn the projector on, doggone it. You can do it. And it normally, they're either black or white. I'm talking, I didn't say what I was talking about. The remote controls for the projector are black and white. Many schools, they also have controls on the wall that looks like an outlet but has got power buttons on it and volume buttons and all that and the speakers are integrated. Be familiar to that. If you're, if you're going to a school for the first time, Get there early enough that you can see their setup. Ask them when you walk in. Some guys put it, or some guys, some schools put it on your credentials that you hang around your neck when you go in for a substitute teacher and sign in. And and sometimes it'll say, here's your substitute teacher login information, and it will give you 
login ID and a password, and you log in that way. And then if it's just something on YouTube that you're projecting them to, you can just throw it, anybody can find that and throw it up on the screen. So you can do that. Now, there's plenty of, the, the buttons are pretty self-explanatory. Get that going. That's your first step. Look, I, you know, I always like to look around the classroom to see what they have in there, to see where their Chromebooks are, if they have some, to see if they've got, especially if they've got technology I've never used before. I try to give myself enough time to figure it out before the students get in there. So I look at least as smart as the students I'm teaching, but Sometimes that's hard to do, and but you, you've got your phone. You can get to YouTube on your phone and try to figure things out. I'll be honest, when I, my volleyball scheduler, referee scheduler, a lot of times has me work the clocks, and that's the same thing I do there. I work clocks for postseason games for various different sports, to be honest. And the last time she had me do that, it just so happened I knew the athletic director. So I called him, and he sent me a picture of the clock. I punched in. It was a great clock. It was actually pretty easy to use. I punched it in YouTube, went through a tutorial on how to use it, and it was the kind you projected the school's names up on the scoreboard. So I didn't have to struggle through that. I didn't have to dig into a manual. But anyway, so make sure you learn all that technology. But when you get in there, once more and more teachers are using Google Classroom. So to me, that is the first and foremost thing you should be savvy about. You could go to YouTube, find plenty of videos on how to use Google Classroom, and I would encourage you to do that. I, the only reason I paused and hesitated is this. If you're going to get into a specific Google Classroom, the teacher would have to add you. That's the only way you can become a part of that classroom. And to be honest, you probably don't want to be a part of it you only want to learn Google Classroom to the point that you can assist students if they are struggling getting in. Most likely teachers have codes. You have to have a code to get into a Google Classroom. And that's how you can send students emails. In fact, if a teacher wants, I, I did this once already this year. I was only my first day, but yet the teacher knew she was going to use me in the future, so she went ahead and sent and sent me an email invite straight from Google Classroom to get me in her Google Classroom for that particular class. So here's what you want to be familiar with. The tabs, first of all. I call them tabs. It's the words up at the top because sometimes students forget that they're going to find their assignments more so on the classwork tab than they are on the stream. The stream looks like Facebook. It looks like Twitter. It's a bunch of stuff where announcements can be posted. If the teacher doesn't change the settings, they can actually post things. The students can post things on their, their, on their selves. There's also passwords for, or I should say tabs for people and grades. If you ever get to the point that you're long-term They'll probably want you to do, do stuff in that. But you want to get familiar with stream and you want to get familiar with classwork so that you can show the students how to get to their assignments. Most of the time, the, if the student says they can't find the assignment that the teacher said was in there, and you're, if everybody 
says it, then you may have a problem. But if one student says that, the first thing out of your mouth should be, are you in classwork and not stream? Because a lot of times the assignments will be easier to find on classwork. I think the way it works that teacher does enter an assignment, it shows up somewhere on the stream. But as the stream, again, it's just like Facebook, it, it goes further and further down as more things are posted. And you can put date and assignment dates when they do the do the assignment for the student. So get familiar with those classwork and stream. And you can what what you can do right now is even though I've got I'm looking at one I set up. It's called Collins Test Class and I can make a dummy assignment. I've got in fact I've got one in here that's called Substitute Teachers Lounge. You could play around with Google Forms there. One thing that I took the initiative to do is to learn a lot about designing Google Forms. I learned how to design tests. I learned how to automate paper tests, or I probably should say Microsoft Word tests that the teacher already has. And I volunteered. I said, you want me to convert that over to a Google form test so that, now this only works well with like multiple choice and specific answer type things. But I said, you know, I can automate it so that it grades itself automatically. You could set it up so that the students know what their grade is immediately. And for that matter, you can set it up so that it streams directly. Once you click a confirmation button, it streams directly to Infinite Campus and loads right into their grading system. So I took the initiative to do that, especially in my long-term roles where I would actually be an active person in the Google Classroom. So learn Google Classroom. There's all kinds of stuff on YouTube about Google Classroom, and you should learn them all. I would encourage you, and my, my next thing is this. I'm going to use, learn to use, I should say, Pear Deck, because I hear a lot of my favorite teachers, some of which I've interviewed for this podcast, that use that. Some of them that specialize in technology use that. I trust those people, and I think it's one of the more up-and-coming things to learn. That's the next thing I'm going to learn. I would just tell you, be familiar with the school. If you go in there once, be snooping around. Find out what kind of technology stuff they use. I don't know about you. The last thing I'm ever going to tell a teacher is, sorry, I don't know anything about that, even if I don't. I am going to figure it out. I am going to jump in YouTube, even if I have to do it on my phone, and say, oh, that's what that does. That will make you get, I'm telling you guys, that will make you get called back more. Now, let's be honest. Is it better to be a great substitute teacher whether you know technology or not? Yes. Does knowing all that technology take you to a different level. Yes. So learn the technology for the schools. Learn some stuff that you may not even, or or I guess I should say, you may not even think that they know anything about. And discreetly, again, don't act like you're smarter than them, but discreetly show the teachers, oh, look what I ran across the other day. This is kind of cool. And if you've got a few minutes to spend with them, if you're eating lunch with them, 
you know, maybe you plant the seed. They go back and look at it. You know, I'm a Kahoot fan. i be honest, I didn't use it much this last year. There's all kinds of Kahoot-like stuff. In fact, if you just type in Kahoot, you'll find them all. Quizlet, all that kind of stuff. Most teachers use something other than Kahoot because to this day they think Kahoot is a little juvenile. doesn't have to be. Their fonts are a little bit juvenile, I admit, but I think that makes it more welcoming. So there you have it, guys. Do not ever say, I am not techno-savvy. I don't know anything about that. If that describes you... Go out, especially to YouTube, and start learning about technology right now. Mahalo. I'm headed to the beach.